Brilliant. Please take a seat. Thank you very much to the band. Well, I wonder what everyone is expecting for Christmas. Kids, what are you expecting? Shout out some ideas. What are you going to expect? Yeah. A what? A drone. Wow, that's, that's cool. Yes, Kieran. What are you expecting? Trackmaster. I don't know what that is, but that's great. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yes. Christmas foods. Yeah, we all love that. That's great. Yeah. Family. Okay, great. Anyone over here? Yeah. Jake, Austin. Sorry, Austin. A new phone cover. Nice. That's always handy. Yes, back here. A new pink headset. I'd love one of those too. That'd be great. If you want to buy two, actually, you could. Yeah. Well, we've just sung this carol. Oh, sorry, Luke, tell me. A drum kit. A drum kit. Wow. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, we've just sung this carol. <laughs> we've, we've just sung this carol. Come thou long expected Jesus. Are you going to keep the hand up? Let's do one more. One more. A walkie-talkie, great. Oh, that's brilliant. This carol, Long Expected Jesus, is talking about a baby boy, Jesus, born over 2,000 years ago. He was born in scandalous conditions to a young woman called Mary. And it all seemed pretty unplanned and pretty unexpected. And so we should probably be asking our question about this carol. What does it mean when he says he's long expected? That means they were waiting for a really, really, really long time. So who was expecting him and what were they expecting? Now I know that some people here have been along to Hope City Kids over the last few weeks. Can you put your hand up if you've been to Hope City Kids? Great. I've heard that you've been reading about a man called Isaiah. Can anyone tell me who Isaiah is? Yes, Connor. He's a prophet. And can anyone tell me what a prophet is? Connor. <laughs> they follow what God says. Yeah, any other ideas? Great. Yeah. They sent messages to other people. Yeah. Anything else? They carry out the word of God. Brilliant. Thank you. So Isaiah was a prophet, God's messenger, speaking God's words to his people. And often, as we said, that involved predicting things that were going to happen that hadn't happened yet. And you've, I think you've seen that he talks about Jesus being the promised king hundreds of years before he was born. Now we're about to read some words, some more words, by this guy, Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus was born, before that first Christmas. And he's talking about someone that God is going to send to save his people. And he's telling his audience who to expect, how to recognize this guy. So this is what he says. We're just going to read two verses and they'll be on the screen. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Sorry, I didn't uh, move the slides along there, but hopefully you heard me. It's not a very royal picture, is it? I wonder, can anyone tell me who this is? Any kids? Who's this? Children first, anyone know? It's a tricky one. Okay, teenagers? Yeah, okay, Ian? 
It's not. Oh, you know, sometimes I wish it was me. And some people think it is me. But, okay, any, any, yeah, Becca? Prince George, brilliant. Prince George, so he is in line to the throne of the United Kingdom. Now have a look at where he was born. This is the Lindo Wing of St. Mary's Hospital in London. See the soothing pastel tones. A comfy armchair next to the bed. There's a sofa bed for partners to take a snooze on. Meals are cooked by chefs and a waiter comes round every morning to take orders for breakfast, lunch and dinner. There's also a wine and a champagne list and the option of a celebratory afternoon tea after the birth. Rooms start at only £5,215 a night, and suites are available if you apply for them, and they're said to cost around £10,000 a night. Now, that's really quite different, isn't it, from what we just read about in Isaiah. No beauty or majesty, nothing in Jesus' appearance that we should desire him. That word up there, that despised, means to be hated. Rejected is being teased really, really badly. And that's what men and women did to him. He was born into suffering. Now, who can tell me what Jesus was born in? We've had anyone else? Yes, Lisa. A manger. A manger. Brilliant. Anyone know what a manger is? Yes. A stable. Yes, it was in a stable. Brilliant. Anyone? Any other ideas? Yeah. Uh, Yes. Austin. Yeah, a cradle. Yeah, so it's a bit like a cradle. He used it as a cradle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Connor. Yeah, it's where animals eat from. Isn't that disgusting? Imagine lying in that. Oh. That, wor- that word manger, it sounds lovely. It sounds like a, a, little, a little cradle. But actually, it's a cattle feeding trough. We have historical record that Jesus, the baby, King Jesus, the baby, was born in a borrowed barn in a feeding trough. Now, kids, what do you think about when I say the word Christmas? Yes, no. Um, fun. fun, great. Ian? Presents, Presents. Connor? Family. Family, yeah. Okay. Gods, yeah, okay. What, what do you mean? Okay. Oh, bonds, yes, okay, great. Yeah? Presents, yes, absolutely. Yes, Harry? Presents, brilliant. Yeah. Presents? Sorry, food? Yeah, food. we love food. Yes, no? Food, yeah. We've got double up on presents and double up on food. Kieran, last one? Toys. Toys. Yeah, we all love toys. Well, in truth, that beautifully decorated tree, those gorgeously wrapped presents, all that tasty food, which makes us all so happy during the Christmas period, they're all pretty poor representations of what the world was like that Jesus was born into. None of them are like his everyday life. Jesus didn't show up for a celebration. He wasn't there for a school holiday. He wasn't in a well-decorated room, and surely he wasn't well-fed. Sorry, guys. So when you look at this guy, born in a trough, Isaiah is right. We don't hold him in high esteem. That means we don't think he's worth much. And the people around him in his day didn't think that either. Now I need three volunteers. Can you put your hand up if you're able to help me unwrap some presents? <laughs> Suddenly all the, presents just, all, all the hands just went up when I said presents. Um, okay, Aaron. Um, and we'll just take you two. Go on. Great. Okay, can you guys go and grab one of those boxes under the tree each? 
And don't open it. I know it's hard. Now, here's a little challenge for you. You're allowed to take one of these presents, and you're allowed to look at it, you're allowed to feel it, and you're allowed to shake it, but you can't open it. I want you to answer this question. What are you expecting? So have a feel, have a shake. Maybe hold it up and shake it. Hmm. Okay, so uh, don't answer it yet. So, Erin, what are you expecting? It sounds like sand. Sounds like sand? Okay, should we... Where's my... Put a, a bowl here somewhere. Here we go. Thank you. Should we see what's in it? Do you want to open it up? Oh, wait, we'll move this out. If you stand over here, so we move out of the way. There we go. What's in there? Rice. Oh, it's rice. Oh, dear. So not sand. Wasn't what you were expecting. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you want, what's, what's in here? Should we see what's in here? Yeah, you do. You got what do you think it is? You've had a feel. You've had a shake. A thing. Okay. You think it's a thing? Any other ideas? What do you reckon? Um, I do not know. I, I just think it's a thing. Okay. Do you want, anyone, do you want some help? Um, should, we, should we ask someone to come and help you? Okay. Yeah, but to, to guess what it is. Yeah? Anyone want to come and help? Yeah, Ian, do you want to come and help? It's a strong object. Okay. We need specifics. Specifics? Um, it's, it's a, like, rectangular, solid rectangle. Okay, so it's a solid rectangle. Let's see if we're right. Let's see if we're right. So we open it up and see. Do you want a hand? Oh, it's rice. Oh. So I guess technically you were right, but we're not going to give you that. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's open it. What do you think's in here? Rice. Rice. Okay, let's see what's in there. Go on, you can tear it all, tear it all. What are you expecting? Harry Bow. Oh, Harry So you were all wrong. Um, so you don't get any of these, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> no, we'll share these out later with the Hope City kids. Um, so you go and take your seats. Thanks so much, guys. Should we give them a round of applause? Um, I'll, hold it for now. Hold it for now. Okay, go and take a seat. <laughs> Thanks, Caleb. Trusty. <laughs> well, sometimes we get the wrong idea when we look at something. We expect it to be a nice new box of shoes, when actually it's just rice. Or we think it's more rice, when actually it's tasty sweeties. In some, some very mild ways, this is a bit like Jesus. When you look at him, you see a weak little baby refugee, and he doesn't seem much. Even the Bible predicts that people will look at him and think he's not worth anything. They, don't, they won't hold him in high esteem. But as we learn about what he said and what he did, often we need to check our expectations are right. Maybe that little boy isn't just a normal little boy. Maybe he's something much, much more than that. Jesus is born into the world we live in with all its unfairness, with people who are mean to each other and people who have tried to hurt him. We read in the Bible that Jesus is the Son of God. And before he came to earth, 
He was with God, ruling over the whole world. And yet he wanted to give all that up to come and enter this messy world that we live in. That's the carol that we just sung uh, the words of. Come to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. By his life, he brings us gladness, our redeemer, shepherd, friend, leaving riches without number, born within a cattle stall. This, the everlasting wonder, Christ was born, the Lord of all. Jesus should have been expected by the people of his time. They'd been told loads and loads about him by Isaiah and other people. But most of them thought he wasn't special. And maybe when you hear that familiar Christmas story, you think the same. But we're going to sing another song just now about that first Christmas day. And as we sing sing this song, think about what you make of Jesus. Was he special or was he just a normal boy? And the older children and the adults are going to be thinking a bit more about this for the rest of our gathering. So I'll hand over to the musicians as we sing about that first Christmas, the first... Brilliant. Well, we've seen that Jesus is the unexpected baby who should have been expected. We've seen that he is God, come to this world in all its brokenness. I think it's probably worth pausing just here. Christmas is a very strange time of year. Culturally, the expectations on us are enormous. Sometimes there can feel a pressure, an overwhelming pressure to be happy, to feel Christmassy, to be joyful, to be full of hope for the year to come. And yet often this actually just isn't what we experience, is it? Often this time of year just emphasizes what we once had and now lack. Or what we now, sorry, what we most want and now lack. Maybe it involves our relationships, our friendships, our studies, our health, our jobs, our families, our finances. Maybe it's more of a disappointment focused on ourselves as we look back at the past year, or maybe even the past decade, we see no change in the way we want to change. Or maybe we don't sense a purpose in anything we've done. We're dissatisfied, and we feel we don't have any hope for things to get better next year. To others, it may feel strange getting all excited about Christmas when we hear daily news stories from around the world and in our own country of terrible things happening. Or even when people in other countries can't even celebrate Christmas. I was reading about some Christians in North Korea who don't even have a word for Christmas in their language because they can't celebrate it because it's punishable by death. And so with all that going on, we sing carols, not one one that we're singing today, but there's another carol you may well know, and it goes like this. The hopes and years of all the years are met in thee tonight. The hopes and years of all the years. Oh, hopes and fears, thank you. Hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus. This baby Jesus. How could that be? All our hopes, all our fears, in some way, fulfilled and relieved in this baby Jesus, born in a manger. Well, we saw earlier with the kids that Jesus was born in a very different kind of Christmas day than the one that many of us will celebrate this Wednesday. He came into a broken world and he exposed himself to the full range of its brokenness. And this is where the details of his birth are really, really important. It means something important that the cradle of his birth was a feeding trough in a borrowed barn. 
you're meant to pay attention to the fact that he wasn't in a palace attended to by servants and chefs. It's important to notice that the first smells that entered this infant baby's nostrils were not oils and perfumes, but animal dung. Jesus was born into suffering. So why did he suffer? He was born a refugee, born to be hunted down and killed, even as a baby boy. He lived a life of suffering and died a horrendous death as he suffered. And the Bible actually tells us that it was essential that he suffered. We just sang that Jesus was born the king of Israel. We sang that multiple times, each chorus. He's born the king of Israel. So, so what kind of king are we talking about here? It's pretty unexpected for a king to be born in this way, into this kind of suffering. Well, let's continue reading our text from Isaiah 53. Sarah's going to come up and read it aloud for us. These verses are describing Jesus' promised king. So let's read Isaiah 53, and we'll be reading from verses 4 to 5 for now. Thanks, Sarah. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. Celebration going on next door. Jesus came to rescue sufferers, sufferers, so it was essential that he suffers too. He took up our pain and he bore our suffering. So what did he rescue us from? This text says that he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Two unusual words in there, transgressions and iniquities. Both mean the same thing really. They describe the attitude that we all show towards God's good ways and to God himself. They mean our rejection of God, and the Bible calls this sin. Later in his life, Jesus will actually explain that this flows out from, the heart, from our hearts into the world around us, into the, the lives we live, and it produces this kind of suffering that we all experience day to day. The greed of one that leads to another going hungry. The anger of one that leads another hurting. The domination of one that leads, leaves another hopeless. This Bible that we're reading describes our rejection of God as a copycat of our first ancestors who did this too. And men, women, and all the world is cursed as a result. We all face suffering in different ways to different degrees as we live in this world. And this Christmas time sometimes highlights these things. And the problem is, we're all part of the problem. I don't like to admit it, but I cause suffering in other people's lives by the way I act, speak, and live. My selfishness impacts my family and my friends. Now, this sin naturally drives me, and it naturally drives each one of us. But the problem is, it drives us to live lives that that live against God's ways, his perfect ways. If I look at my own life, I don't even live up to my own ethical standards at times let alone God's. And so the result of this sin is that justice must be done because God cares about right and wrong. He cares about wrong in the world. He cares about suffering and he cares about you. The problem is that dealing with injustice, literally 
iniquity, injustice, means dealing with the injustice in each of us. It's bad news for us because each of us in this room is deserving of that. Pretty gloomy for a Christmas sermon, isn't it? But you see, Jesus' birth is both the worst news in the world and the best news in the world. And understanding both will change your life forever. Good news is only ever good news to people who know they need good news. I saw a patient in A&E last week with terrible, terrible acid reflux. Terrible chest pain, horrendous, couldn't go to sleep. It was keeping him up at night. And I had good news for him. I have a tablet called a Meprazole um, that can solve his problem, improve his symptoms. But if I went to my next patient in the waiting room and got him to come, a 14-year-old boy who had had a fall but was otherwise pretty healthy, and I told him about this tablet, I doubt he would have been very interested. The cure wouldn't have got to his attention because he's healthy. He didn't need it. Good news is only good news to those who need, know they need good news. Good news is only good news to those who know they need good news. That's what Jesus said later on in his life as an adult. He said this, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus explains that we all need to recognize we are sick, sick to the core. And so he came into this world that first Christmas day, not just to start up a religion or to give a good life, live a, live a good life. He went from the wooden crib to the wooden cross to save us, where he fulfilled those words from earlier. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So that's why Jesus came to suffer. He suffered not just in the same way we suffer, although he did do that. He suffered by taking on himself all that we deserve in judgment for our sin. God knew what we deserve, and because of his love, he came to rescue us. He took that punishment on himself. That's why Jesus is called Jesus. The name means he saves And our next carol emphasizes what we've just been thinking about in the last verse. It focuses on thinking about what kind of child this is that we're singing about. Born in a cattle stall and living a life of suffering. And the carol points to the ultimate purpose of this life. This is what it says. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail. The Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Let's sing, What Child Is This? Well, we've seen that Jesus is the unexpected king who should have been expected. And we've seen why he suffered. He suffered from his wooden crib to the wooden cross. From his birth to his death, because of his name, he saves. But what was really the point? What does any of this really matter to us in 21st century Edinburgh? 
Well, imagine with me that you're walking through George Square. It's August, it's sunny-ish in Edinburgh, and the festivals are in full swing. And you're bombarded by people, shoving flyer after flyer into your face. Come to my show, come to my show, come to my show. One of them catches your eye, and you know you're in for it. They boldly thrust the flyer into your nose. You ignore it. Or you take it, then you ignore it, because you think you know what it says, and you think you know it won't do you any good. Well, a London newspaper recently carried out an experiment outside Oxford Circus tube station in London. A man stood on a busy street corner, and he handed out flyers which offered a free £5 note to anyone who returned to him with the flyer. Hundreds and hundreds of leaflets were given out over the three hours, but only 11 people actually returned to claim their free £5. Most people thought they knew what the flyer was about, and so they didn't take time to actually read it. They just threw it away. Well, chances are in this country that you've heard the nativity story before, the one we've been singing about. You may even have acted as one of the key characters growing up. Have we got any Marys in the room? Any Marys? Yes, we've got a Mary over here. Good. Any Josephs? Yeah, Ali. Yeah, I was a Joseph too. Yeah, good. Um, any donkeys? Oh, cool. Luke, okay. Ian, great. Ian and Luke, great. And Aaron, great. Lobsters? No. Just checking you're awake. It's fine. You've probably heard bits of this story before, but have you ever actually considered why billions of people around the world actually believe it? Why they actually have a real hope in what Jesus promises? Surely they can't all be well-meaning fools. They can't all be gullible buffoons. So is there actually anything in this stuff? Well, as Sarah comes up to read this last section, consider if you think it describes you correctly and what you make of it, of the way it describes Jesus. Thanks, Sarah. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Thanks, Sarah. The Bible often describes humanity as sheep, I once spent a couple of months working on a sheep farm in Outback Australia. There's me in the background, you can just see. I learned loads of things, but two things that will always stick out in my mind are how stubborn and how stupid sheep are. I remember herding some sheep into a different field as one sheep decided to make a break for it from the main herd, and she made a dash for this fence. Now, she didn't make it through the fence, so she smashed into it. But she thought, you know what, I've got another a bit more in me. So she backed up again and went for it again. And again and again and again. She kept going into this fence. Now that story illustrates a little bit about what we're like. We reject the ways God, of God and we want to live our own way. 
We look to satisfy our desires somewhere else, maybe in work, in sex, in money, in holidays. Even when we don't find the satisfaction we're looking for in those things, we keep looking for it in other places. We're actually pretty stubborn. Well, Jesus, when he's an adult, calls himself the good shepherd. He's the one who looks after his sheep, the one who calls us back to him, even when we're being stubborn, even when we're being stupid. And he says this good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. But even though he's the shepherd, Isaiah tells us, he becomes like a lamb, sacrificed and slaughtered for the other sheep who have gone astray. He was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. That's why he came. That's why he's relevant to us in 21st century Edinburgh. Isaiah didn't just predict the place and circumstances of his birth. He predicted the life he would live, the influence he would have, and then described in detail his death, even though it was all written about long before crucifixion was devised as a means of execution. Wonderfully, that's not all. Later in the passage, Isaiah tells us what is going to happen after all of this. This is what he says. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Jesus wasn't held by death. After he suffered on the cross, he saw the light of life. He rose again to prove he had conquered death, to prove that the curse of sin could be undone. He will justify many. He will, he will make right with God all who believe in him. And that's why Jesus, this baby king, the good shepherd, offers to each of us this Christmas time. Why not ask the person you came with or ask me more about this? Why not read more about his life? We've got these uh, wonderful Luke's Gospels that you're free to take as a gift from us to you. You can go and get one um, from the bookcase over there. And it's a great account of, of who Jesus is, what, what he said, what he did. And then you can say, well, what do I make of him? Because really, if this is true, it's worth so much more than a five-pound note. Why not take an hour out of your life just to think about this? If you're a Christian here, here's a challenge as you consider this suffering of Jesus from his birth to his death. Be a sad celebrant. Be a sad celebrant. Let your joy at what the Savior has gifted you be mixed with grief at what it cost him. You are celebrating the man of sorrows. Remember, as you celebrate this season, that the one whom you celebrate enjoyed none of the things that likely make up your celebration. Let your Christmas be shaped and colored by remembering that you have an eternal reason for joy because of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of your humble, willing, suffering Savior. Well, as we in just a minute. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as that curse is found. It's the logical response 
to such good news, to share it, if you believe it. So let's sing this song to God, but to each other as well, as we head out to share that joy with others. So let's sing, Joy to the World. Please stand.